0: So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for
1: Jason.
2: And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift.
3: Wait a sec.
0: <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally.
3: Happy holidays, everyone.
2: See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's.
4: Marshall's. I know you're feeling pretty good about yourself right now. Pretty confident. But you know something? I know that deep down, down there, where in the cock 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 yeah. Cockles of your heart you are Cockles. worried
5: yeah
4: is that what and at wrestle
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> ah
0: you gotta love gold dust and his tourette's back in 2003 on monday night raw that happened this week in history and I will play the entire promo later on. One thing I will always remember from that night, the legitimate laughing on behalf of Triple H and Ric Flair. I mean, I don't know how Goldust kept a straight face during the whole thing, but, oh, it was so fucking funny. Cock, cockle, cockle, cock, cockles, cockles. Uh, if you're a new listener and you never saw that, go back in the archives this week in 03. And actually, that beat out another audio clip that I was going to open up with this week, Fabulous Moolah. Her name's been in the news lately, you know, she, the Battle Royal that's been renamed. Well, she actually had a promo that took place this week in history as well. And it kind of fits into the whole aura of Fabulous Moolah right now, even though I don't think people understand the absolute love and admiration that the McMahon family has towards Mula, I don't care that they changed the name of the Battle Royal. All right, that's not going to change the fact that the McMahons love her dearly. And changing the name of the Battle Royal did not sway any of that love whatsoever. They just have to love and celebrate Mula privately. But anyway... Welcome, everyone. This week in wrestling history, I am Don Tony once again. This week, we will cover the period of March 13th through March 19th. And later on, I actually have a personal anniversary. Long-time listeners, those who have been with me almost since day one, going back to 1998... You will remember this moment. It was a prediction that I made on a hotline back in 2001 that still has people creeped out to this day. I just thought it was great, but we'll get into that a little bit later. First, let's start off with 1992. Juventud Guerrera makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestled originally under the name Fueza Gim, G-I-M-M, and he made his pro wrestling debut this week in 1992. Now, 1993 there was an event that took place in japan and it's not memorable in any way in fact nobody would even give a shit about the results but there was a wrestler that performed on that card that i thought was hilarious now if you thought that this was just like a bullshit wrestling event that took place in japan that nobody cared about no it was a fed called uwf it took place in korokan hall and other wrestlers on the card that night was Takamichinoku, great great sasuke Rocky Santana, El Sagrado, Dr. Wagner Jr., Gran Hamada, and others. So it was a mixture of Mexican and Japanese wrestlers. They had a wrestler on the card that night. Now, anybody that follows me knows that I, at one point, created the wrestling character Man. Still have the outfit. You know, I appeared a couple of places with it. But it was a satire of the Mexican wrestlers like Chess Man and Other Man and blah, 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 man, whatever it was. But in 1993, in Japan, they had a wrestler under a mask, and he lost the mask versus mask match that night. His real name was Alvaro Melendez Tibinez, and he wrestled under the name, I kid you not, Black Man. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. He wasn't black, and he wasn't even Japanese. He was Mexican, I think, or Puerto Rican or Spanish. He was Latino, but he wrestled under the name Black Man. Could you make this up? I kid you not. Go look it up for yourself. 1995. You know, everybody always remembers Steve Mongo McMichael. Wrestling for WCW. Commentating full horseman making that appearance in tna where he was you know grotesquely overweight he's actually in phenomenal shape right now not the greatest shape but he really did drop a lot of poundage but a lot of people forget this week on monday night raw in 1995 he actually was doing some commentating in the announcers booth with vince mcmahon and he got into a little brawl with Kama, aka the godfather so people may not be aware of that 1995 as well, a really great match that is not talked about all that much. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a no-holds-barred match that took place on Raw. 1995 as well, the uncensored pay-per-view for WCW. And this is one of those pay-per-views that if you're a newer fan and you didn't follow WCW back in the day and you just want to see, like, gimmick matches, some that are kind of hokey but some that are pretty decent go check out WCW Uncensored 1995. Now, for the Hokie, you know, Vader was supposed to wrestle Hulk Hogan in a strap match. In fact, Hogan and straps celebrate anniversaries on this episode more than one occasion. But on Uncensored, it was supposed to be Hogan versus Vader in a strap match. Now, you know, people have said over the years that neither one wanted to do the job against the other. So by the end of the match... For some reason, Ric Flair was attached to the strap, and Hulk Hogan touched all four corners while Ric Flair was under the strap, and Hogan won. So I don't want to spoil how it all went down, but if you want to go check it out, go check it out. A match that I always enjoyed. And when you really research the details behind it, you kind of ask yourself, like, come on, WCW. You really couldn't, like, redo this or change it around or... I mean, I I totally get it. You know, you got to understand, 1995, Dustin Rhodes, you know, wasn't the biggest star. This was before Goldust. And honestly, this match is probably one of the reasons why we got Goldust. You know, who knows if Goldust would have been an idea that Vince came up for someone else if Dustin Rhodes was never fired from WCW. But it was this pay-per-view where he fought the blacktop bully, a.k.a. Repo Man, in a King of the Road match. This was when they were on the back of the flatbed truck and they brawled. Now, they weren't supposed to bleed. That was a big no-no in WCW at the time, but they bled anyway. And the two of them ended up being fired as a result of this. But you read between the lines. This match, this segment was taped several days before the pay-per-view. So, yes, they did a lot of editing, but they still showed... You know, a, a lot of the brawl on the pay-per-view, if you were that incensed about the bleeding to the point where you fired these two guys, why didn't you just force them to redo the match the next day? You know, I, I just don't get that. I mean, they aired quite a bit of it, and then they fired them. So who who knows? But I always, I always enjoyed that match. Some people have mixed feelings about it. It was also a match, you know, that was kind of hokey as well. Mark Merrill... Versus on Anderson in a boxer versus wrestler match. You know, I don't want to give anything away, but it's an interesting pay per view if you just want to see a random WCW event. Now we fast forward to nineteen ninety seven audio clip. Let me just paint the picture. Now I want to just let everyone know right off the bat that this week in history only two WrestleManias had taken place: WrestleMania eighteen, WrestleMania twenty a majority of the WrestleManias take place between the last week of March and the first week of April. So you will not hear too much as far as WrestleMania this week, but two WrestleManias did go down this week. Now, getting back to what I was saying earlier, as far as 1997, Bret Hart was going to face Steve Austin at WrestleMania, one of my favorite matches of all time. You know, when Steve Austin passes out because of the blood, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people don't realize that a week before this happened on Raw, Psycho Sid faced Bret Hart in a steel cage match and Steve Austin got involved in this match and kind of, you know, they kind of tried to play off that Austin was going to help Bret but help, you know, accidentally screwed Bret or you know, and you look at the Montreal screw job later on in 1997 about Bret being screwed. And then you go backwards to March of 1997, and you're like, hey, you know, they were doing the storyline where Brett was being screwed as well. The, of course, with Steve Austin. But after the match was over, Bret Hart was in the ring, upset. Vince McMahon, who was mostly commentator, you know, storyline at the time, came into the ring to interview Bret Hart, and Bret Hart cut this infamous promo. <laughs>
5: The title on pay per
0: view this Sunday night against The Undertaker. And the hitman Bret Hart
2: will face the man who tried to help him win the championship here tonight. He'll face Stone Cold Steve Austin. The submission match. And look at that, The Undertaker just slammed the door on the Hitman's chances of becoming the champion. Though was no doubt that Bret Hart had this match won. What? Bret Hart was a step away from stepping outside until The Undertaker slammed that steel door right. right in Bret's face. Wait right, just a minute, Psycho Sid was a second away from going over the top rope. I mean over the top of the cage, had it not been for Stone Cold. Exactly, team. right. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, the man. You're the man right there, Psycho Sid, the World Wrestling Federation champion. He will defend the title against The Undertaker on pay-per-view this Sunday night. And there to be McMahon, it's a beautiful sight.
6: And the Hitman, Oh, imagine what's going through his head. We'll try and get a word with him. And hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get a word from The Undertaker as well. When we return, stay with us for more World Wrestling Federation action.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, yes, in the war zone, live from Syracuse, New York, live war. And we're back here, ladies and gentlemen, a few more moments here with you. Vince McMahon is gonna try to talk to a very, obviously- a Bret
6: Hart. This consonant Bret Hart. You've gotta be terribly frustrated. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened.
7: Whoa! Frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it. This is bullshit. Oh, we apologize, man. Screw so. me! Everybody screws me, and nobody does a goddamn thing about it. Nobody in the building cares. Nobody in the dressing room cares. So much goddamn injustice around here. I've had it up to here.
2: We apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody
7: knows it, I know it, everybody knows it. I should be the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Get him out of the ring. Everybody just keeps turning a blind eye. You keep turning a blind eye to it. I got that gorilla monsoon, he turns a blind eye to it. Everybody in that goddamn dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Cut him off. If you don't like it, tough shit. Well, obviously, we have- uh, my I- ass, Brett. All you wanna do anytime you go in the ring is cry like a baby. I tried to go out there and help you and you threw it all away because you're a loser. It could have been you and me for the championship at WrestleMania, but you blew the whole damn thing because you're a loser. You know why right they here. call you, you Stone Cold? Cuz your and stones you are say? so cold, your stones, you won't the come battle. out here and step in the, the ring and be yourself. You're always got you always gotta jump me from behind. You've got the guts to come out here. Come on. Everybody knows whether it's Psycho Sid. Ladies and gentlemen, we apologize if for you the acting of you Red He has lost it. You are wrong. That is my belt.
6: We're going to try and stay with this as long as we can.
7: Red Heart, ladies and gentlemen,
2: this is completely out of control, McMahon. Yeah, I know that. Oh, this is not going to be a this is going to be a fight here. Red Heart, Red snapped, he's lost it. Wait a minute, wait just a minute.
6: Oh, wait a minute. This has just picked up. Red Heart, ladies and gentlemen, has gone berserk oh no.
0: This would lead to WrestleMania, Steve Austin, Bret Hart. They switched places. I guess you could call it Bret Hart started turning heel. Steve Austin started turning babyface, but we have to go one week earlier was this week on Raw where Bret Hart thought it was bullshit the way he was being treated in WWE. 1997's uncensored pay-per-view. Sting made his first WCW in-ring appearance since the previous October. And the only reason why I'm mentioning this is because whenever you see WWE airing segments of Sting from Nitro or WCW, they always show this one moment where Sting is in the middle of the ring with the baseball bat and he's beating up like eight different members of the NWO. I'm sure you've seen that clip a thousand times. It was this moment this week in 1997. Now, as far as the match itself that was the precursor to Sting's return, we had a three-team elimination match. It was Team NWO versus Team WCW versus Team Piper. Don't know what the difference between Team WCW and Team Piper was, but the teams were for NWO, Nash, Hall, Savage, and Hogan. Piper's team was Piper, Benoit, Jarrett, Steve McMichael. Big Show's team, uh, which is Team WCW, Big Show, Luger, Scott Steiner. So that's pretty much how it went out. Now, the stipulations in this match, because the NWO won, they could challenge for any championships that they won. Had Team WCW won, the NWO would have been forced to vacate all the titles that they had, and they would have been banned from WCW for three years. Now, at the time, I don't remember us being like, ah, oh, that's kind of a dumb stipulation. There's no way they're going to disband the MWO for three years, blah, 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 blah. But the other stipulation was if Team Piper would have won, Roddy Piper would have faced Hulk Hogan in a steel cage. So it was uh, War Games rules. You know, five minutes for the first, you know, group of wrestlers in the ring, followed by new entrants at two-minute intervals. Elimination was pinfall submission or over-the-top rope. Um, so, that, and then this led to Sting's return. This week also in 1997, a very important moment in the Dudleys history. Now, the Dudleys are one of the most celebrated tag teams of all time. Our generation, one of the top, obviously. And they have held an an amazing number of championship runs throughout their career. It was this week in 1997 at Hostile City Showdown 97 where the Dudleys won their first tag team championship. They beat the Eliminators and they were tag champs. Very first time this week in 97. 1998, Monday Night Raw. Three moments to get into. One Hokie, one memorable for the wrong reasons, and one that was just, I don't know. I don't know what WWE was thinking at the time. First off, the Hokie. Uh, they were in Phoenix. And I, I think the mascot for the Phoenix Suns is still a gorilla. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure he is. I mean... I don't know this day and age. Maybe somebody had a problem with gorillas and you know, being mascots. I have no idea, but anyway, they're in Phoenix. So they had someone under the gorilla outfit on Monday Night Raw, and Kane tombstoned the gorilla. Fine, whatever. Second thing is something memorable for the wrong reasons. It was the visuals beautiful. I mean, you look back on it and you kind of cringe, especially since wrestlers don't aren't really getting chair shots to the head anymore. But who can ever forget? When I said earlier that moment that you've seen a thousand times of Sting beating up all the members of the NWO with the baseball bat, here's another moment that I'm sure you've seen dozens of times. Ken Shamrock and The Rock in the ring together. Shamrock is on his knees. The Rock hits him square in the face with the chair. It is one of those visuals that you're like, holy fucking shit, <laughs> that must have hurt. It was that moment this week in 1998 where that chair shot went down. Also, that night, I don't know what WWE was thinking at the time. This was right smack in the middle of them having some issues with, uh, you know, the competition with WCW. So they decided to have NWA involvement a little bit. Well, Jim Cornette at that time had the Rock and Roll Express on Monday Night Raw. We actually got to see them a little bit. Cornette at the time had another tag team in WWE. It was Barkon and Bob Holly. No big deal, right? Well, you know, recently, WWE had Jim Cornette on a new show on the WWE Network called Photoshoot. Basically, they show photos of Jim Cornette and moments in his career over the years, and Jim Cornette comments on it. It's actually a pretty entertaining show. But if you watched it, notice how they never took showed us a picture of of Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. I would have loved to have heard Jim Cornette's comments. They they showed us Mantar, you know, but I really would have loved to have seen Jim Cornette's commentary about WWE's decision to basically repackage Bart Gunn and Bob Holly to this.
2: For the past eight years, every wrestling fan in the world has been begging me, please... Please bring back the Midnight Express! Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have acted on your demands because new, improved, younger, faster, stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Bombastic Bob and audacious Bart, the new Midnight Express! What? What is going on? Cornette has reinvented one of but the greatest teams in wrestling. Problem. There's still two guys wearing skirts that are the NWA World Tag Team champions, and there's still been a bunch of guys putting their hands on Jim Cornette. And you know what? That is your fault. Why? What? what? The new Midnight Express attacking the original Rock and Roll Express. Corn- Nobody can trust Cornette. What the? Vodacious Barton, bombastic Bob. They are dismantling the Rock and Roll Express. Look at Cornette. JR, you've documented it over the years. Cornette the for many years have been bitter enemies. But Uh, then this reunion took place just over the past few months. Atomic drop right into the backbreaker. Cornette
0: I mean, I know WWE was grasping at straws at that time in a lot of ways. But still, man, bodacious Bart, bombastic Bob. If you notice that clip, they cut to, like, a different promo almost immediately because the crowd did not give a shit at all. Even when they turned on the Rock and Roll Express, there was virtually no crowd reaction. It, It was just... Not a good decision on behalf of WWE to make them the new Midnight Express. 1999, public enemy in the WWE for a very short amount of time. Not treated well by the WWE roster at all. And we always have heard and seen the way the APA Treated Public Enemy in one of their only matches in WWE. Well, another match that people seem to have forgot about that Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett took uh, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge on on Monday Night Raw, and they did a nice little job on Public Enemy as well. So that happened this week in 99. Also this week in 99, the Uncensored Pay-Per-View, which if you obviously could tell, WCW had a lot of their Uncensored Pay-Per-Views. It seemed like they were trying to do it Right before the WrestleMania that WWE would have, you know, get that pay-per-view in there right before WrestleMania, and you look at the buy rates at that time, they didn't do too bad. But it was this week in '99 for Uncensored that they had Ric Flair take on Hulk Hogan in a first blood steel cage match. Uh, Flair did beat Hogan for the title, and um, the funny thing about it was it was a first blood match. Ric Flair bled first. But referee Charles Robinson never called for the belt. So, Flair ended up winning anyway. And with Ric Flair winning in storyline, it gave him complete control of WCW. That same pay-per-view, Kidman defeated Mikey Whipwreck to retain the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. The reason why I mention that is because I know that we have some fans that were uh, fans of Mikey Whipwreck back in the day, especially Tajiri when he teamed up with him. Uh, managed by Sinister Minister. Mikey Whipwreck was brought into WCW. And I always remember the interviews that Mikey Whipwreck did almost immediately after WCW closed its doors. They took Mikey Whipwreck away from ECW. And when they signed him, he was already injured. And they knew he had to get surgery, but they still signed him. They still paid him a decent amount of money. And, you know, it was just. A really bad even Mikey Whitbrook will tell you that WCW was just insane for offering the kind of deal that they did for Mikey. But one of the very few matches that he had in WCW took place this week in nineteen ninety nine. Two thousand. This week we had three wrestling debuts. First, Kevin Matthews. I had the privilege of seeing Kevin Matthews wrestle almost since day one of his career. Coming up at USA Pro Wrestling, ICW. A lot of local indies over here. Jersey. Seeing him on some cards that I was involved with. Uh, Victory Pro Wrestling. He was in under developmental for WWE at one point. But it's very cool to see him on Impact Wrestling now. Definitely a great talent. He made his debut this week in 2000. Two other debuts. Very important. First, Randy Orton made his debut. He wrestled for the MMWA SICW promotion. Um, now... He is most noted for being involved in Harley Races promotion around that time. And then obviously he would go, I think it went to, was it Hotland OVW? But Randy Orton did make his debut this week in the year 2000. Another one that made a debut, and we saw this on television. And it was cool because it happened in Long Island. And me having the wrestling hotline at that time, I can't tell you how many messages I got that night from people that were in attendance that said, wow, this blonde chick debuted for WWE. Her name is Trish Stratus. She was scoping out Test's matches and Albert, and obviously she would end up coming in as the valet for Test and Albert, TNA. And, um, you know, we had the internet in 2000. Obviously, it wasn't anywhere like it is now. But I remember a lot of people, including yours truly, trying to do some research. Who is this girl? Trish Stratus. And I think one of the earliest um, clips that we got to see of her was something with a hose. And she had fitness model photos. But it all started this week in 2000 on Sunday Night Heat. Also this week... In two thousand, got a few things going on. First off, we have the uncensored pay per view once again. Hulk Hogan defeating Ric Flair. I played the promo a couple of weeks ago. It went down this week in two thousand. The yapapai strap match. Yapapai. The match actually wasn't all that bad, but the promos were are legendary because of the homophobic innuendos. You know, which I don't think were intentional. You know, the pink skin. <laughs> unbelievable you might also remember i talked a couple of weeks ago about brian nobs losing the hardcore title to three count and all three members of three count were the hardcore champion in wcw well it was this week on uncensored that brian nobs defeated all three members of three count to get the hardcore championship back also this week in 2000 Dean malenko defeats sa rios to win the wwf light heavyweight title In fact, it was this week in history where he won it and he lost it. He had the belt for exactly one year, I think 364 days. Now, in both matches where he won the title and lost the title, women were involved. Now, first, in 2000, he wrestled Essie Rios. Lita, obviously, was the valet for Essie Rios. Eddie Guerrero was outside the ring. Lita tried to hit a hua kamrana onto Eddie, but he reversed it into a vicious powerbomb. This led to Essie Rios being distracted. Di Malenko gets the win. One year later, on Sunday Night Heat, it was Crash Holly getting the light heavyweight title for Dean Malenko, and how Dean lost it, Molly Holly did a finisher off the top rope onto Dean Malenko, so there you go. We go back to 2000 for a few moments, and this involved Crash Holly as well. One of my favorite highlights of the 24-7 rule for the hardcore title. Now, we saw them brawl at Chuck E. Cheese. We've seen them brawl in the lake. We've seen them brawl in the snow. Well, it was this week in 2000 that they brawled at the airport. And I even think it was LaGuardia at the time here in New York. Uh, Pete Gass had uh, decided to beat up Crash Holly at the airport. Tim White was the referee, and he pinned them at the baggage claim. And then Crash Holly hits Pete Gass with a scale, gets the belt back, and runs down the luggage chute. Funny, funny shit. That's a belt that I have said for so many years now on all the other shows that WWE should have brought back. All right, I know it's not supposed to be just comedy and they don't have to go brutal, hardcore like they used to, but the 24-7 rule had so much comedy instilled in it and it still lives up to this day. It still has shelf life. You watch it and you're entertained as fuck. So there you go. Now, with Moolah's name all over the news for the wrong reasons right now, I was going to open up this episode with a promo by Moolah. I decided to go with the little gold dust, you know, instead. Obvious reasons. But it was this week in 2000 where Bully Ray gave Mae Young a powerbomb for the second week in a row. And, you know, she had already had a neck brace, but this is the powerbomb that everybody remembers. With Bully Ray, powerbomb May Young off the stage, through a table, and they stretchered Mae Young out. What a lot of people forget was a little promo that Fabulous Moolah cut immediately after Mae Young was taken out in an ambulance.
2: We're back live on Raw, ladies and gentlemen. But earlier tonight, Bubba Dudley and his brother Devon once again did the most heinous, unspeakable thing coming off the stage, King. That's, that's got to be at least 10 feet driving the 80-year-old Mae Young from the stage through a table to the concrete floor. And did you see May's head bounce off the... What, just watch the back of her head bounce off the floor. I... I I'm telling you i've said, said it before. i've never seen anything like this oh i understand michael cole is uh, standing by then we'll get an update now on may well, how do you feel
4: after watching your best what friend what the may-
8: hell do you mean how do i feel i don't feel a damn thing the bitch got what she deserved what that's exactly right listen no one ever heard of may young until i brought her into this organization i brought her in she was nothing and she's still nothing as far as i'm concerned but when I brought her in here, what appreciation did she show me? She disgraced me and all the organization by showing her puppies, giving birth, and stealing my spotlight. I'm a Hall of Famer. Do you understand that, Michael? Yeah,
5: yeah. Do
8: you understand what yeah, I'm saying? I and I, frankly, I want to tell you now, I don't give a damn if the bitch never, ever comes back.
0: Ah, Moolah, everybody hates you right now. God rest your soul. The McMahons don't hate you but they will keep their love private, like I said earlier. So there you go. And if you just want to see a funny segment, you know, I know we recently had Bob Backlund in the corner of Darren Young. We're going to make Darren Young great again. Well, who remembers when Bob Backlund used to be in the corner of Kurt Angle? Go watch Raw in this week of 2000. 2001, what a year for wrestling. Now, anybody that follows the Monday Night War history, it was March 26, 2001, where Nitro had its last ever episode. And Vince McMahon announced on Monday Night Raw that he truly has the future of WCW in his hands. The simulcast, who remembers that? Well, obviously we can't play highlights of it yet because this episode only goes up to the 19th of March. But it was this week in history where a lot of things went down for WCW, WWE, and even ECW. I mean, I talked about last week how it was just really eerie to see Paul Heyman commentating on Monday Night Raw. Yes, he replaced Jerry Lawler because Jerry had quit because his wife at the time, the cat, Stacy Carter, was released. When Paul Heyman was on last week in 01 in history... You know, we pretty much figured out that this was the end of ECW. Now, obviously, with ECW basically, you know, out of business, you had a lot of wrestlers show up in WWE. So first you have Monday Night Raw this week. Edge and Christian defeated Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy to win the tag titles. Rhino had appeared during this match. This was his WWF debut, and he helped his buddies, Edge and Christian, win the belts. Later on in that night, you had Bubba Ray and Devon defeating Edge and Christian to win the tag titles. And that happened to be the WWF debut of Spike Dudley. So you had two title changes, and you had the debuts of Rhino and Spike Dudley. Clip that's, I remember that was funny as hell. I'm sure a lot of you forgot. Who remembers when Chris Jericho peed? in William Regal's tea. And, you know, when they did the segment, you kind of think, all right, they're going to do the corny, predictable reaction where he sips the tea. And he's like, hey, you know, this is kind of tasty. It's good. Oh, you know, they went against the grain, which was cool. And William Regal had this this look on his face like, who remembers William Regal's facial reactions? They were fucking priceless. So that took place on Raw this week as well. Now, that same week, as I mentioned earlier, Crash Holly defeated Dean Malenko to win the light heavyweight title. Now we get to WCW. And we get to a hotline. First, this week, we had WCW greed. That was the last ever pay-per-view for WCW. And when you, you, know, you look at it in the annals of history, their last pay-per-view took place literally about a week before they went out of business. It was that close. It was this week in 01 where they taped the last... Episode of Thunder. So literally eight days before WCW closed its doors, they had Greed, they had Nitro, they had Thunder, all taped within a week before they closed their doors. Now, the main event for the Greed pay-per-view was Scott Steiner defeating um, Diamond Dallas Page in a Falls Count Anywhere match to retain the WCW title. Because Diamond Dallas Page lost, he was banished from WCW. Obviously, it was only for a week, but still, that was the stipulation. We go less than 24 hours later, and now we're watching Monday Nitro. It's the next-to-last episode ever. Now, this was all happening so freaking fast at that time. You know, because if you actually look at the attendance for WCW events at that time, it wasn't all that bad, but they were just hemorrhaging money. And it just, they couldn't keep up. And the AOL-Time Warner merger spelled, you know, the end of WCW. Now, originally, Eric Bischoff, I'm not going to go into the whole story because you obviously can look it up, but Eric Bischoff was going to get a bunch of investors, Fusiant Media, I think that's what it was called, and they were going to buy WCW. And everything was pretty much set to go But then at the last minute, they said you could have the library, you could have the promotion, but we're not keeping you on the Turner Networks anymore. And as Eric Bischoff has said in about fifteen hundred interviews since then, that made WCW worth next to nothing. And when you look at the annals of history in WWE, you know what they paid for WCW is less than what they probably paid Brock Lesnar over the last year or two. Think about that. So it was this week the night after Greed, that they're setting up a contract signing between Booker T and Scott Steiner, title versus title. And Eric Bischoff was not at the arena, but he was going to make an announcement. And at this time, we thought Eric Bischoff and his group was buying WCW. Then the news wires broke the day earlier. And it was all over the news wires that, There was a problem with the deal. And this is how Eric Bischoff called it on Nitro that night, this week in 01. And pay attention. I mean, I know we got mostly the main mic of Bischoff talking, and you hear a little crowd reaction towards the end, but if you actually watch the crowd as Bischoff is talking, that arena was silent. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. That's how silent that arena was, but... This is Eric Bischoff's promo from 2001 announcing that next week's Nitro could very well be the last ever on the Turner Networks. Don't hate the playoff.
2: Hate the game. Going chairs. Taylor was telling him to calm down. Yeah. Try telling him to calm down. And here comes the United States champion Booker T. Again. What is this all about anyway? The man. It's all about the
7: man Booker Talk to him Told Scotty to be here Booker's grabbed the mic Yo Steiner, Flair I told you I talked to the
9: man And that man is Eric Bischoff So shut up and listen
10: Thank you Booker For those of you in the arena and all of you watching around the country this evening, I very much would have chosen to be there tonight in person if I could be, but given everything that's going on tonight, uh, that's just not possible. Many of you may know that for the past six months, I've been working with a group of people whose goal it was and is to acquire World Championship Wrestling and to grow it once again to become a competitive, dominant wrestling organization worldwide. But recently, we've hit a couple roadblocks that may be, in fact, brick walls. And while it is still in my power, I want to do something befitting of what could be very well the last night of wrestling on the Turner Networks. Given the fact that wrestling has been such an important part of Turner's history over the past 29 years, I've been thinking over the weekend of what I could do to provide as exciting of a program that this, as this historic event should be. To that end, I want to make an announcement now that next Monday night in Panama City is indeed going to be a night of champions. By that, I mean every championship will be up for grabs, starting with the World Cruiserweight Championship, the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships, the World Tag Team Championships, the U.S. title, and the World Heavyweight title, will also be up for grabs next Monday night in Panama City. And Scott Steiner, Booker T, I want you two to be aware now that your match is going to be a title versus title match. The contracts are prepared, a WCW representative is standing by to make sure that the contracts are executed, read them carefully, sign them, be prepared to defend your titles next Monday night. And also, giving the historic nature of this occasion and my relationship with this company for nearly 10 years, I want to personally extend an open invitation to any former, and I mean any former, World Heavyweight Champion in WCW to join us in Panama City. And don't be afraid to bring your boots with you.
0: It was so eerie that week, but you know, me personally, as a wrestling fan, it was hard, man. I mean, it wasn't to the point of tears. It was disappointment. I mean, it was disappointment and excitement because obviously WWE was, you know, on such momentum at that time. But I was a diehard ECW fan from day one. I did not want to see its doors closed. I was one of the few that still enjoyed the promotion up until its very end. You know, I pushed tickets for ECW. For the last year before they closed its doors. And a lot of people bought the tickets from me. I used to always sell the tickets that I, I needed to sell for W for ECW. Um, but obviously the roster wasn't what it used to be. And it was very, very tough. And you know, with WWE going on Spike TV, that really killed ECW in a lot of ways as well. And then you have WCW, you know, pretty much closing its doors. So the Monday night wars were pretty much over. So you were kind of, you know, like anticipating the excitement of what's going to happen in the future. But at the same time, you know, in a matter of months, you lost ECW and WCW. It was kind of rough being a wrestling fan at that time. And again, it wasn't depressing. It was disappointing. And you kind of, you knew that the wrestlers weren't going to just retire. So you kind of anticipated some excitement. But still, as a wrestling fan to see those two companies go out of business it wasn't a positive. So there you go. Now, as far as yours truly in, as far as my personal history, any longtime listener knows this story. I think it's even on YouTube if you want to hear it, but you know, just to share a little personal memory and trust me, there's thousands of people <laughs> that still follow wrestling that will vouch for this. And Kind of sucks that I didn't fucking record my hotline reports all the time in 01. I mean, I recorded many of them, but because there was so much going down, there wasn't podcasts at the time. And as I mentioned last week, 56K was the connection of choice to get on the internet. It would take minutes to download a one megabyte picture compared to a second now. So you couldn't just upload 30, 40 megabytes of audio and just, where you going to play it? Where are you going to stream it? So so I did my hotline back then from 1998 until around 2004 for the most part. And there were other hotlines as well. And who could we forget those hotlines? Iron Mike, the Chokeslam Wrestling Hotline, Captain Ivan, Dominic Valente, who is still going strong, still doing his hotline to this day. I kid you not. But Captain Ivan had a very popular hotline as well. And it was this week in 2001 where we learned that Vince McMahon bought WCW. And Captain Ivan asked me to come aboard his hotline to talk about it a little bit. And I went on his hotline report, and I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't record Ivan's reports at the time. I mean, there was a lot of competition amongst hotlines. I mean, that's what we did at that time. So there really would have been no reason for me to record Captain Ivan's audio reports. But he had me on as a guest. And it was the day that they announced that Vince bought WCW. And, you know, I know haters, you know, hate when I... Pat myself on the back, but it's just a cool memory. I mean, it was just eerie at that time and it's cool. And I'm not talking about it to try to brag. I'm just telling a story, but I went on his hotline and we're talking about the sale. And he said, how do you think this is going to go down on TV? And I said, honestly, I said right now, you know, Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon are feuding with each other. So I would would love to see maybe a simulcast where, you know, we have Nitro and Raw on TV together And then Shane McMahon shows up on Nitro, and he announces to everyone that, you know, a McMahon did buy WCW, but it was Shane McMahon, not Vince McMahon, and then it could set up WCW versus WWF, Shane owning WCW, Vince owning WWF, and you go from there. And that's exactly how it went down. And you know what the coolest thing about it is? How many times have you listened to people tell stories, do interviews or whatever, and they'll tell you that, oh, they buried the hatchet, blah, 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 blah. Or they tell you a story where they hung out with blah, 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 and that person's usually deceased. So you could make up any story you want. Say, yeah, I did this with this person, or I had this, and that person can never turn around and say to you, you're full of shit. See, Captain Ivan is alive and doing well. Tons of my listeners that go back to the hotline days are still around. You know, you're a wrestling fan. You're usually a wrestling fan for life. You know, there's a lot of lifers out there. You stick with it through thick and thin. And there are tons and tons of listeners going back to the hotline days. I remember that night. And it was funny because when it went down like that, people thought I was possessed by the devil. I kid you not. There was seriously people that are like, you work for WWE. You're possessed by the devil. I mean, I I know you look back on it and haters are going to be like, oh, anybody could have predicted that, Shane versus Vince. But I... Gave every little detail almost identical And it was just envisioned in my head How I thought it would go down Now long time listeners will know That I've envisioned other you know, storylines and swerves And stuff like that in years since But that moment to this day Is my favorite moment of ever doing hotlines And podcasts as far as predictions go Seriously And it it was cool I mean it was just I, I stepped in shit really If you look back on it I stepped in shit, but still memorable. And it's amazing it's that many years gone by. Seriously. 2002, we had another debut for WWE. And I'm shocked to shit that nobody talked about it this week. I looked at all the history, nobody brought it up. Unbelievable. And I remember it for one particular reason. And if you've never seen the actual debut of Brock Lesnar for WWE uh, TV, go check it out this week in 02. Here's how it basically went down. Monday Night Raw, you had a hardcore match between Maven and Al Snow. A match nobody really would, I think, remember. And then towards the end, you had Spike Dudley get involved in a match. And then Brock Lesnar hit the ring. Now, Paul Heyman was outside, and in storyline, Paul Heyman was fired. So everybody was wondering, why is Brock Lesnar here? And why is Paul Heyman here? So, Paul Heyman was Brock Lesnar's advocate since day one. They've had some storylines, you know. Brock Lesnar f fived Paul Heyman at one point. I mean, there's some moments in history. But what I will always remember from this night is not just how vicious the power bombs that Brock Lesnar gave to Spike Dudley, but if you watch the first power bomb, he tosses Spike Dudley up in the air and catches him. And yes, I know Spike Dudley is tiny in size, but if you really watch it, it's fucking impressive. But if you're curious and you've never seen it, you want to hear audio, you know, just the the audio part of it of how he debuted. Here it is. It's only a couple of minutes, two, three minutes. Brock Lesnar making his WWE
5: debut.
2: See if you had any brain, some hair they've been trying to cushion those blows. He's got a way to stay down. Because yeah, Alstow, he, he truly, he really loves the kids that he has trained including this one right here. Trying to hey, wait him, a minute. Try to give him a baby. Oh, a what? Right and deadly with a... Stop that. Look, got a referee with him. And, wait a minute. Oh, God no. The hell right? that's, that's the hottest free agent. No. Ooh, Brock Lesnar. I don't know who it is, but what's he He's doing out here? here? Oh, oh, he's he's just he's destroying Donald hobbies look at this monster my god the size of this skin look at who's at ringside with pride. Oh my god what the hell is that Berman doing here Paul Heyman at ringside he's been fired he doesn't work for this this company law what is he doing Get out, out here, here. Hey, oh, and you don't he's got instructions to Mike trying to hurt around in this hardcore matchup. Oh, God, the a drink. That is a scary strength. The whole spike is being broken in half in that. hideous payment. What is he even doing here? Did he buy a ticket? What? And a second out. All right. What does this mean?
0: Another wrestler who made his debut this week, Zach Allen. He made his pro wrestling debut this week in 2002. He was trained by Truth Martini. And on March 16, 2002, he wrestled his trainer. It was teacher versus student. They wrestled for the Independent Wrestling Revolution promotion. And some other wrestlers that were on that card that night, Jimmy Jacobs, Chris Saban, Madman Pondo, Truth Martini, and Brimstone. So, you know, it was a pretty decent card. Yukon Braxton was on there as well. So, uh, memorable moment. I mean, I never liked Zach Allen as far as wrestling goes. And it's nothing personal against Zach Allen. I know over the years some people have thought he was a dick and all that. The two things I didn't like was since I'm in the insurance business, I always thought it was a massive insurance risk. That's number one. And number two, just as far as suspension of disbelief, all you got to do is just hook his leg when you pin him. How's he gonna kick out? He's got no other leg to kick out with, you know. But suspension of disbelief—we're not supposed to think about things like that. Didn't he pin the Big Show once? Like after Raw went off the air, I—that's I, just entering my mind right now. But still, you know what? You give that motherfucker all the credit in the world for overcoming a disability and living his dream. Seriously, and I mean that. Completely sincere. So, this week of 2002. Also this week of 2002. And here is probably the longest audio clip I'm sharing with everyone this week. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock, WrestleMania 18. Bravo to every fan who was in attendance that night. You made that match more memorable than you could ever know. Because, yes, it was passing the torch. Yes, as Jerry Lawler said that night, it's like Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds having, like, home run derby with each other. You just, it was surreal, and the storyline leading up to it, the NWO were the bad guys, W.W.E. Vince was Vince was trying to inject a poison which was the NWO into WWE and you know Hulk Hogan was in the semi and rammed into the ambulance and the Rock was supposed to be the babyface Hogan was supposed to be the heel and the crowd just turned the crowd made it so memorable with them going crazy for Hogan you know taunting the Rock I think deep down inside, everybody knew that The Rock was, you know, the future. I mean, there's no disputing that. And the fans, obviously, you know, had a love-hate relationship with The Rock at that time. But I'm not playing the audio from WrestleMania 18. Because anybody could play that audio. And honestly, it would not do that match justice by just playing audio. The crowd made it so fucking memorable. The crowd reactions were just awesome. But the night after... The match took place. You know, we had a main event that night, which was Hogan and The Rock teaming up to take on Hall and Nash. I think a lot of people forget Hogan's promo the following night, The Rock's promo, Hall and Nash basically going back and forth with them. But not only that, you know, you remember WrestleMania 18 and how the crowd just really came, went behind Hogan and ate up The Rock. You know, The Rock had a lot of work to do the following night because the crowd was still turned on the rock, and by the end, you could hear the crowd you know, backing the rock once again. I mean, this is a great example of someone who has the crowd against them, and without doing anything really to turn babyface. You know, all he did was show respect for Hulk Hogan. He didn't do anything. He was just being a rock, but he just had the knack. To get that crowd, who in the beginning was totally against them, by the end of the promo, the end of the segment, they were totally behind him. The audio is about seventeen minutes long, to be precise, but I think it was enjoyable. This was the night after WrestleMania eighteen. Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Hall, and Nash cutting their promos, which would set up their match later on. Enjoy.
5: <laughs> Me, Hollywood Hulk Hogan.
2: is an extraordinary moment in the annals of the World Wrestling Federation.
9: Damn, I love you guys. To be honest with you, at WrestleMania, I expected a lot of things. I expected to have the greatest match in the world with Rock and for it to go down in history as the greatest match ever. I also expected that my NWO brothers, Nash and Hall, would res- I expected them to respect my wishes and in not interfere in that match with me and The Rock. I also expected to walk out of the ring at Wrestlemania with my name in Stone as the only icon of the WWF and to be quite honest with you, I also expected to beat The Rock within an inch of his damn life. But there's one thing that I didn't expect. I didn't expect at WrestleMania, 70,000 people would stand as I came out the aisle and stick with me each and every step of the way.
11: And
2: that
9: they did. And it was unexpected, but it happened. And I also didn't expect 70,000 people to chant Hogan. Hold you! Hold you! just like last
5: night.
7: Just like WrestleMania.
9: And for that, I want to thank each and every one of you out there. But I got to be honest with you. There is one more person I got to thank, and that's The Rock.
2: And it takes two to have a great match.
9: You know, Rock, I got to admit, when I came to the WWF, I came here to take you out. I came here to embarrass you, Rock. And just like everybody else that got into the path of Hulk Hogan, I was going to run wild all over you, Rock. When we were in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I ran you over with a semi, I thought I'd never see you again, but you came back. And then last week in the tag match, when I got you right in the center of the ring, hit you with a boot, dropped the leg, and I put a one- two, three, right on your candy ass, I didn't expect you to come back. And then at WrestleMania, Rock, in front of 70,000 people, as they were screaming my name, I stole the energy from each and every one of those people at WrestleMania. And as I started hulking up, Rock, as I got in your face and I hit you with a boot, I hit you with a leg drop. Not only did you come back and kick out, You turned the tide on me and you beat me for a one, two, three, right in front of all those people.
2: It was an amazing sight.
9: Well, Rock, I gotta admit, you beat me right in the center of the ring. And since you beat me right in the center of the ring,
2: That partisan Hogan crowd seemingly here
9: tonight. Since you were man enough, Rock, to beat me right in the middle of the ring, I was man enough to walk over and shake your hand after the match. That was a moment, JR. Unbelievable. But there's one more thing I gotta say. I just want you to know, Rock, it might not meet it might not be today. It might not be next week. But someday, Rock, Hulk Hogan and the rock are going to square off one more time brother
2: oh this man frankly, well under control. i
11: greatest match of all time. And everyone asked The Rock, Rock, how did it feel? How did it feel when 70,000 strong were cheering for Hogan? Well, The Rock says this, the same passion that Hogan has, the same passion you have, the same passion The Rock has, they have. It's that same passion that allowed them to stand on their feet, 70,000 strong, for 30 minutes straight. Witness the electricity, icon to icon. And for that passion, and for that passion only, The Rock thanks them, and he thanks you. Wow.
2: And that is a classy, classy gesture.
11: As far as your challenge goes, anytime, any place, it would be—it would be my
4: honor. Wow.
2: Team, we're going places. I don't remember traveling before.
11: But before you and The Rock go one-on-one, before that even happens, there's something that you've got to do. Despite the fact Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, your NWO brothers turned on at WrestleMania, despite that, you still have on NWO colors. Yeah, what about that? So the rock says this. Concerning the NWO, why don't you tell the NWO exactly how you feel as only Hulk Hogan can?
2: I'd like to know that myself, wouldn't you, King? We gotta be careful. I think we're getting our answer. down the middle of the NWO. Wait a second here. This program is about to be torn right down the middle of the house. During business is about to pick up on almost in disbelief. Whoa,
8: Hogan! You sure showed us what an act of defiance. Fact of the matter is this. You turned on us before we ever turned on you. Wait a minute. How did he figure that? We were brought in here by Vince McMahon as a lethal injection into the World Wrestling Federation. The plan was simple, systematic. Pick one guy, take him out.
2: That first guy was supposed to be Austin. And you didn't get that done at WrestleMania, did you? at
7: them? Look at me, you son of a bitch! Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Did the plan work? No! And why not? Because the great one has got to challenge
8: you in WrestleMania! And you, you just had to say yes didn't you brother we would have beat Austin three on one we would have beat Austin and then you could have had your match with him
2: real flattering (laughs) you know what
8: but you couldn't let your ego jump out of the way for one minute it had to be your night at Wrestlemania didn't it we were so worried about being poisoned in the World Wrestling Federation but no you were poisoned in the NWO well that's a strong statement let me make it real clear to you, you son of a bitch. It's even stronger. It was never about these people! We weren't brought in here for these people. It wasn't about the people.
11: As emotional as I have ever seen the seven foot Nash. But it is about the bands. Well, the Rocks just say something right here. You come out here running your mouth. Uh-huh. Stand up there, you and your punk ass friend. Big Daddy cool the Rocks ass more like Big Daddy bitch.
2: Is gonna get completely out
11: of the hand at any moment. You come out here and you interrupt the rock. Interrupt Hogan. Talking about injecting lethal poison. Well the rock says yes, you want to inject something? Well, why don't you inject some of that lethal poison in the Rock and Hulk, Hogan, tonight?
2: Wow. What? I can tell it what? sounds like to me from where I'm sitting. Oh, oh no, wait a minute. Hey yo!
8: Hey Rock, do you and that traitor Hogan want some of Hall and Nash
11: tonight? What'd you just say, Chico? I said, hey
8: Rock, do you and that traitor what some of Hall and Nash tonight? That's what he said,
11: all right. Well, The Rock says this. What, are you stupid or something? That hooked on phonics ain't working too well. You didn't understand, The Rock. Well, how about this? Well, The Rock will tell you in a way maybe you'll understand. Hey, yo, Chico. Go you, Big Daddy Bitch. The Rock says this. The Rock says this. The Rock Hogan. You Nash. Rock, I tell you what. We're gonna inject something, all right. We're gonna inject something. We're gonna inject both our boots, turn them sideways, and stick them straight up both your candy asses.
0: 2003. Monday Night Raw, Eric Bischoff loses to Steve Austin in a no-DQ match. Why am I mentioning this? That match was Steve Austin's last on regular TV for WWE. He would retire uh, right after WrestleMania 19. So a lot of people may not know that. That's his last ever match. Took place this week in 03. That same night on Monday Night Raw was the segment with Goldust and Triple H. Now, let me just set this up a little bit. Triple H was going to face Booker T at WrestleMania and Triple H was in the ring, Ric Flair behind him, and you look back at that time. Anyone else ever pick up on this and maybe even laugh or complain about it? Triple H would come out, and we understand why this was the way it was, but Triple H would come out to cut a promo, wrestle, whatever it is, and then 30 or 40 feet behind is Ric Flair. You know, like, they never would walk too much together unless they were in a tag match or all of Evolution would come out. But how many times did you would see Triple H come out and fucking 40 feet behind is Ric Flair? And again, I know why they did it. You know, it was to keep the focus on Triple H. He's the leader. He's the champion, blah, 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 blah. But still, it was kind of humorous to see over and over and over again. But anyway, Triple H was going to face Booker T at WrestleMania. He's cutting a promo on Booker T, giving him the bad mouth. So instead of Booker T coming out to confront Triple H, Goldust does. And this is what happened.
2: Wait a minute. That's not Booker's music. What? He's back. It's Goldust King. I see it's Goldust. Goldust is back. He got electrocuted. They're February the 3rd. I remember like it was yesterday. And he hasn't been the same since. Yeah, well, maybe that explains why he's coming out here when he's not wanted. Triple H death for Booker T. Well, Goldust is... Wait, 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 minute! Booker D's probably in jail somewhere, right? Oh, stop that. What? How dare you? Maybe he somebody on the way to the match. Booker T may be the next world heavyweight champion. Well, He's also Goldust's best friend. That'd be a champion to be proud of, wouldn't it? Well, yes, it would, as a matter of fact. What is Goldust
4: doing out here? Triple H. That was a pretty good performance. I would say that it may be Oscar-worthy. And I know you're feeling pretty good about yourself right now. pretty confident. but you know something? I know that deep down down there. What? And where? in the cock 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 yeah. cockles of your heart you are worried is yeah. it what and at wrestle you're gonna find out that you cannot judge a book by its cornbread, damn it, cornbread!
2: Damn, what is wrong with him? Well, you know, keep him on. It's not that you shouldn't laugh at him. got no wait, problem. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he has no
8: question, man. Wait, you're killing me, man.
9: You're killing me. I... All right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, I can see you. I can see you're serious about this, so uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. You go go, go ahead and finish what you say. I'm I'm sorry. I'll be serious. When it's
4: all over, said and done, and you, Triple H, lose your world tat. T- 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 <laughs> world, title, 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 and you will. The bookman.
9: And you will never. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Go something like this. I will never forget the name of the name. Oh, hey.
2: Well, he needs to be at home somewhere. He's Booker T's best friend, and now look at this. Will Flair hold him gold us those fighting hard, cheap shots. Here we go. Come on. This will afflict him. This is too much. Hey, wait a minute. That's Booker T.
0: 2004, WrestleMania 20. Do I need to say anything else? It's probably one of the most popular WrestleManias of all time amongst fans out there. And when you look at all the matches that took place, yes, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar was just the drizzling shits. You know, it's it's memorable for the wrong reasons. But you had a lot of other memorable moments that night. One of the moments that I still remember in my mind without, you know, having to see it, was the outfit that Trish Stratus wore that night. And you look at it now, you're like, yeah, what's what's the big deal? She's wearing, like, khakis and boots and all that. But I can't tell you how many people were drooling when she came out dressed the way she did. She just looked really hot. She turned on Chris Jericho, and she starts making out with Christian. We had Ric Flair, Batista, and Randy Orton versus Foley and The Rock in a three-on-two handicap match. And by the way, just a little... Tidbit, people may not know. That match of Rock and Sock versus uh, Flair, Batista, and Orton, that was The Rock's last match until Survivor Series 2011. So after that match at WrestleMania 20, he was done for seven years. That night, we also had Sable and Tori Wilson versus Stacy Keebler and Miss Jackie in a Playboy evening gown match. The main event, Chris Benoit defeating Triple H and Shawn Michaels to win the heavyweight title. Eddie Guerrero defeating Kurt Angle to retain the WWE title. Undertaker making his return as the dead man, defeating Kane. Molly Holly getting shaved bald. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, is it my me personally my favorite WrestleMania of all time? I'm not sure of that, but it's definitely in my top five. But that took place this week, 2004. As I said earlier, only two WrestleManias went down this week, 18 and 20. Uh, 2005, this goes back to one of our early podcasting days, and I still have the audio. Maybe I'll throw it up online in a couple of days just for people to get a little laugh out of it. Marty Jannetty returned to Raw, and he impressed. This is no disrespect to Marty Jannetty at that time. If anybody follows him now, he is very wacky in some of the things that he says, And he doesn't lie all that well. And he did not lie well in 2005 either. Now, how does this have to do with our podcast, The Minority Report, at that time? Well, here's how it went down. This week in 05, Marty Giannetti returned. He teamed up with Shawn Michaels on Raw to defeat Rob Conway and Sylvain Grenier. This was the first match as the Rockers since December of 1991. This is the first time they teamed up again after 14 years. Later that week... Marty Gennetti took on Kurt Angle. Now, he lost, but WWE was so impressed with Marty Gennetti that they signed him to a deal. They actually agreed to a new deal. The problem is is a, a domestic incident occurred in Florida, and that prevented Marty Gennetti from attending some WWE events. And I remember we went, and I have the audio for proof, Back at that time, we were doing a minority report. And we brought this up on our show. And Marty Jannetty went public and denied it. Now, I'm not saying that like, oh, Marty Jannetty, he acknowledged us. You know, that's the thing that I laugh at people these days because someone acknowledges someone on a podcast or or Twitter, you know, like they get, uh, they feel like they were tweet fucked. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, confronting a wrestler and a wrestler confronting a podcast when needed you know but some people get so starstruck oh my god he mentioned my name but back in 2005 there were not many podcasts out there we are one of the originals and we're still doing it to this day but at that time we were in a minority report and we brought up the incident that Marty Janetti had and at that time yeah, I did a lot of little investigative work. You remember the, the debacle with Perry Saturn, no selling bullets, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, emails from his ex-wife, you know, demanding his location because she's suing her. It was just, I, I used to love doing investigative journalism like that, really pulling, you know, details. And unfortunately, sometimes it just went out of control, this stuff with Kamala. Is another example, but at that time I pulled a lot of information exclusively about Marty Jannetty. He went public and called us a liar, and we went on the following week and we called his bluff and we brought out all this information and proved that he was full of shit. WWE found out about this domestic incident that prevented him from appearing at some events. They fired him four months later. It's a true story. I mean, we didn't want, we weren't doing it to hurt Marty Jannetty. But, hey, the guy gets signed to a contract, and we uncover, you know, this domestic in- incident that prevents him from traveling, you know, certain areas. You wouldn't report it? Anyway, 2006, Saturday night's main event, Shane McMahon over Shawn Michaels in a street fight. The reason why I bring it up was because they tried to do the Montreal screw job to Shawn Michaels, you gotta remember in storyline, Bret Hart was returning and they were trying to bury the hatchet, to try to take a lot of focus off of the original Montreal screwdriver. They decided that they were gonna have, you know, they were gonna screw over Shawn Michaels. Does anybody really remember Shawn Michaels getting screwed all of Montreal screwdriver in 06 on Saturday night's main event? You might remember the match, but you don't really think about the screwdriver that night. But one thing that everybody does remember from that night was Mickey James and Trish Stratus teaming up to defeat Candice Michelle and Victoria. And at that time they were doing a storyline where Mickey James was infatuated with Trish Stratus. After the match, Mickey James goes to kiss Trish Stratus on the lips. And look, Mickey James is still very attractive. I mean, she's always been attractive. At that time, when you know we were shortly after the HLA stuff and all that, you know, it was an interesting storyline to have Mickey James, you know, being attracted to Tristratus. So the storyline was she goes to kiss Tristratus on the lips. Tristratus refuses. Mickey James is insulted. And that night she turned heel and attacked Tristratus. 2007, I know there's some Sonata fans out there. Sonata makes his pro wrestling debut wrestled at All Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, event this week in 07. He teamed up with Ryuchi Hichikata, and they lost to Katsuhiko Nakajima and T-28. 2008, Vince McMahon gets his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I did not realize, and I looked it up to see if it was true, they actually put Vince McMahon next to Kermit D. Frog here. (laughs) Yeah, when I do that intro for Breakfast with Blossie, I can't tell you how many times people are like, Hey, who did the Kermit the Frog impersonation? I do all my uh, my impersonations here. Kermit the Frog here. NXT. NXT. Yay! I used to do all the fucking Muppets. Okay, okay, me. Okay, me. I could do others, but I'm not going to start doing impersonations right now. But it was this week in 08 that Vince McMahon got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Do you like a little audio recap of how it went down that night? Here you go. Welcome to the Walk of Fame, sponsored by the Hollywood
2: Chamber of Commerce. This morning, we honor a man
5: who has made television history by bringing global attention to the wrestling
3: world. With his very popular, action-packed shows. Today, we will place a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for Vince
5: McMahon.
3: Look how far WWE has come. And today is all about saying thank you to one man. And although he hates praise and accolades, um, this one is so well deserved. And, and because of that, we like to say thank you. Thank you for all of the wonderful memories. Thank you for our ongoing memories. Thank you, Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank, 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 thank you. As I walked last night on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I looked down and I looked at so many heroes, so many people's heroes that are immortalized in this walk of fame. And I am very privileged and honored to be a part of the induction for star number 2,357, where my hero, my father, will be immortalized among them. Congratulations,
10: Dad. I just need to know one thing before we get started.
7: Are you ready?
8: LAI said, are you ready?
10: For Vince McMahon to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He deserves a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he's a great boss. Honestly, I know really, think about this. How many of you out there have a boss that would let you stick their head off the Big Show's butt? I mean, that was a highlight of my life. So without further ado, let's give Vince his star on Hollywood Walk of
7: Fame, because if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you.
6: Accustomed to accepting uh, personal accolades like this, but I will accept this uh, honorable and extraordinary gift. But I'll accept it not for me, but I'll accept it on behalf of every WWE fan in the world. Yeah! I'd like to also accept this award uh, on behalf of the WWE superstar, without which none of this would be possible. most importantly, most importantly I would like to thank, I'd like to thank me. And I'm really not so sure what this award means. Uh, I mean it's it's a star, well I already know I'm a star. I'm the biggest star of all time. They're going to put this star on a sidewalk where people walk. I realize how many people in this world have always wanted to walk on me? I guess I could sum all this up. State what a true honor it is for me. Perhaps the biggest honor I've ever received. For my star to be placed right next to Kermit the Frog. This is an awesome day for me. Uh, thank you, Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. It's extraordinary. It's a bright, beautiful, sunny day, and all the stars are shining. I hope the mind shines here in the sidewalk for many, many years to come. And again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much.
0: This week in 08, I pissed off the haters on the Don Tony Kevin Castle show, and I pissed off my coast as well. I kind of feel bad. I didn't, but I did. You know, that night on Monday Night Raw, there were quite a few Don Tony signs at that time. I used to really push everyone, hey, you know, you're a fan of the show, make some Don Tony signs. And it was this week in 2008 that Jared King Lawler interviewed that convicted pedophile, Jared Fogle. Is that his last name from Subway? And on the WWE Network, they edited out this interview. And I know, you know, he's a convicted pedophile and this and that, but WWE edits out a lot of clips on the network Simply because they just think it's not appropriate. And yes, Fogel being edited off, yeah. But um, the reason why I'm even mentioning it is because one of our dedicated listeners at that time brought a huge Don Tony sign and was sitting right behind Jared Fogel. And as Jerry Lawler is interviewing Jared Fogel, there's this big green Don Tony sign in the background. And there were signs that night as well, and I was having fun on the DTKC show about all those signs. I mean, that's that's humbling for me, and I still enjoy it. And, you know, it's it's a shame that we don't get signs like we used to when we used to watch, you know, wrestling. And I'm not just saying for our show. I'm just saying signs in general. I mean, Jesus, you look at some of the raws during the Attitude Era, even nitros, and the number of signs, It's you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of signs. At some points there was probably 50% of the audience had signs. And people think I'm making it up. I'll post a screenshot of one event that I saw recently in WWF back back then, you'd be like holy shit. It's just it's unreal, but still I had fun this week in 08. 2009, Destination X, TNA, AJ Styles defeats Booker T to win the Legends Championship. Why am I mentioning it? That made AJ Styles the first ever Grand Slam champion in TNA history. And for those that are going to ask me, hey, who else are Grand Slam champions in TNA? Well, I did the research. AJ Styles, Abyss, Samoa Joe, and Eric Young. They are the only four to hold the Grand Slam championship. Now, as far as Impact Wrestling these days, I've brought this up before. You go to their website, there is no title history up there. There's no title section. We can't figure out if these titles now are still acknowledging TNA's lineage. You know, it's very confusing the way the titles are possessed right now. And when you have a major promotion like that, shit like that needs to be cleared up before people like me take notice of that. So anyway, and by the way, for people that are curious, you know, just to show you the number of titles that AJ Styles has held while in TNA Slash Impact Wrestle. Well, it really was TNA the entire time he was there. He held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, the NWA Tag Championship, TNA Tag Championship, X Division, and the Legends title. So it's pretty impressive. 2011. Memorable moment on Monday Night Raw. I was going to play it, but you got to see the visual instead. Uh, you had The Miz mocking The Rock, and he gave John Cena rock bottom. But he came out bald, wearing a rocks attire. People for a quick minute thought that The Rock was coming out, and The Miz really shined that night. And I just I can't believe it's right that many years, but it was still it was a cool moment. Another cool moment from that night: Jim Ross made his return to WWE. And uh appeared on Monday Night Raw. Now, at this point, you gotta remember, you know, this in, in perspective. Michael Cole was full-blown heel and feuding with Jerry Lawler. So Jack Swagger was in the corner of Michael Cole and basically helping him with a lot of segments. And Jim Ross had a confrontation with Michael Cole. This led to Jack Swagger putting the ankle lock. On Jim Ross. And this was to hype up the feud between Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. We're going to wrap this up momentarily. But first, I want to get to 2016. and got some audio for you as well. This had to do with a match between Chris Jericho and Neville that took place on Monday Night Raw. Charles Robinson was the referee. And at that time, we didn't know what was going down. But since then, obviously, it's a moment that people remember. And I got two audio clips for all of you. Now, Basically, what went down, if you don't remember this, Neville broke his ankle during that match. And if you watch the match, they come back from commercial break and they're pretty much wrapping up the match. Neville goes for a baseball slide through Chris Jericho's legs in the ring and Neville gets his ankle caught and he fractures his ankle. And, you know, you hear a lot of the... Uh, the comments between Jericho and Neville and even the referee. And basically, you hear Neville saying that he rolled his ankle. You hear Jericho asking if he's okay. And, you know, Jericho goes to pin him. Now, Jericho thinks that the match is over because of this, you know, sudden injury, but Charles Robinson stops the count at two. Jericho gets pissed pushes charles robinson robinson dqs chris jericho chris jericho and charles robinson have some vulgar words to say to each other and then you know we had charles robinson on chris jericho's podcast and he discussed what went down that night a little more into detail now i'm going to play you first about two minutes of the match itself if you listen to it closely you could hear all of the comments that are say that it was said that night If you want me to tell you briefly what was actually said, what you're about to hear, you hear Neville say that he rolled his ankle. Chris Jericho asks twice if he's okay. He then says he's hurt and he's going to pin Neville. Charles Robinson counts to two. Chris Jericho shoves Charles Robinson. He gets disqualified. And you hear Jericho yelling, he told you he broke his fucking ankle. Charles Robinson says, motherfucker, I didn't hear you. Jericho says, I told you twice. Charles Robinson says, don't you fucking touch me. Jericho returns and says, disqualify me. Disqualifying me makes me look like a fucking bastard. And, you know, there was a couple other words said as well. But when you hear the audio back right now, you'll actually hear everything that I had just said.
1: Chris Jericho and Neville one-on-one here tonight. Chris Jericho reminding everyone of his feelings for AJ Styles. Remember, they were bitter rivals. Turned into pretty good teammates before Chris Jericho last week. Attacked him with three code breakers and shoved a Y2AJ t-shirt down his throat. Here's a cover and a kick out by Jericho.
12: John, I want to go back to something you said before the break. Did you really call Chris Jericho the greatest
4: Canadian of all time? Yeah. I think if you took a vote among Canadians right now, they'd vote Chris
6: Jericho the the greatest Canadian ever. (laughs) Greater than Trudeau.
4: Greater than
1: all of them. This is the same Jericho who disowned Canada uh, at Roadblock Saturday night.
6: Okay? They don't disown him. They love him. They don't have a lot anyway.
1: Well, what gets me? Hold on here. Again, Jericho rolling up Neville here. Shoulders down. Oh, Does he have him? No. Kick out at two. He's hurt. Uh oh. No, no, that, wow. No need for that. That important official had no choice. Yeah. Referee Charles Robinson had no choice. He had to disqualify Jericho uh, as soon as right. Chris. Put his hands on the rack. Ladies rest. and
7: gentlemen,
12: your winner by disqualification, Neville. Is Jericho that bothered by this whole AJ Styles thing now that he's shoving officials? You can't do that.
1: official uh, mean, Charles Robinson had no choice but to disqualify Chris there. That was completely out of line.
12: So we're having this match with uh, me and Neville. And so, and it was like, it was just getting all crazy because the time kept getting cut. And what were we supposed to have? like like six and seven right at the beginning and then right. it went to like six and six and five, and five, five and five five four and four three and maybe four and it was just like this you just cutting and, the time and it's the worst part about being on near the end i'm sure you've experienced that as well you're in one of the things it's like a collapsible segment where it's the main event of the show wrestling wise but it, it's really not right because you'll lose all the time right if need be right and let me ask this as, as a referee so we have a break spot for the t- commercial, and we've got this, this, and this. And then, as soon as we get out there, everything changes. So, as the ref, what do you do when you know that the that the time can go quicker or longer? Like, what's your mindset? Like, if I know what I'm doing because I have to think about how to make the changes, but you're the, you're sometimes the last to know. I'm always the last to know. <laughs> uh, they'll tell me, you "Note
3: know, from Gorilla in the earpiece, how much time's left," and I'm. Um, I've gone out there thinking we have seven minutes and you get there and they say, when the bell rings, you have a minute and a half, get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's very frantic just trying to get that
12: information over to the talent. Mm -hmm. And And you and I have worked together for years, so we kind of knew what was going on. And we had a break spot that we eventually just did during the break because we didn't have time to do it. Right. So it's already kind of like, I'm not going to say it's like a bad omen but it just kind of sucks because you know what you want to do you know what you can have especially with a guy like neville right and then we start working and then we come back from break and instantly we start going into the finish so i'll tell you my view of it and then okay. you tell me yours okay so briefly i shot him off to him for him to do a baseball slide i turn around he's gonna give me a chin breaker then a couple kicks and then we're gonna go into his comeback which I can't even remember what it is at this point. Right. So he gives me a couple he gives me a chin breaker, he gives me one kick, then he jumps up for a Frankensteiner, which the finish of the match was going to be a Frankensteiner where I stop him and put him into the walls. Right. He jumps up and goes for the Frankensteiner and says finish. So I was thinking maybe he's panicking that we're running out of time. So he 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 does it and then I take the bump because I'm like no we got plenty of time and then he covers me and then he says I think I just broke my ankle then I'm like, Oh my goodness. So he goes over towards the ropes. Right. So what are you seeing at this point? I am seeing him selling over
3: to the ropes and I have no idea why he is selling over to the ropes. Mm-hmm. So I go over there because I suspect that he's injured, but I don't know. He could be just selling. And I am asking him over and over and over. Are you hurt? Tell me, are you hurt? Are you hurt? I had no idea that he told you that. Mm-hmm. Well, and how would you ankle, know? Right. Cause I'm standing back out of the scene. Right. Um, so i
12: back you up a little bit, then you come in and... Yeah, so then what happened from that was I see you talking to him, so I'm thinking, okay, obviously we have to end this match ASAP. Right. So I was thinking maybe I could do kind of, but I'm also trying to think, how can I get some heat out of it? So I was like, is he okay? Oh my goodness, is he okay? Is he okay? F this and roll him up. Right. Like, screw you, buddy. Right. So meanwhile, I'm thinking, well, if he told me that his ankle was broke, I'm sure he told you as well. So when I roll him up, thinking well charles will know what's up let's just count to three yeah that's good to us <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one two and you stop and then i'm like what and when i rolled him up what did what? you see i saw his shoulder up and so you know so i counted two did you think that maybe like did you think that he was hurt because i thought
3: he might have been but i wasn't sure because his shoulder mm, came up mm-hmm. um once I counted two and I saw the expression on your face and
12: the anger in your eyes. Um, (laughs) So I get up and I'm like, this is really going south, right? Because now people are going to start sniffing that something's wrong. So I'm like, I I push you. I'm like, boom. I push you now. Harder than Roman Reigns did, by (laughs) the way. Well, of course, I'm from Canada. He's from (laughs) Samoa or whatever the hell he's from. But I'm thinking if I push Charles. I, I, I should've just said DQ me, but I'm thinking if I push you, you'll DQ me. Cause I'm like, okay, okay at least we got a DQ. Cause all I'm thinking is we got to get the spotlight off of Neville. right? Cause I don't want this to be a really awkward moment where there's a guy down in the ring and then the thing just kind of ends. I think if I push Charles and he DQs me really hard, really hard, then, then, then I can still still keep this rolling. And plus I was like, why the hell didn't he count to three? I could take double whammy, right? right? So then I push you and what are you thinking? I'm thinking, why the hell is he pushing me?
3: <laughs> I mean, you really caught me off guard. And from the look in your eye, I knew that you were at least a little bit angry. You know me well me. enough, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you were a little angry, which I understood. Um, so I, of course, almost pushed you back because I was so mad. And you got mad in return. You pulled right up to me. I, and then I said some things that maybe I shouldn't have said. Get on the beep like ready. These, You're like, what yeah. the f-
12: are you doing and yeah. I was like, "What the f- are you doing yeah and
3: then so don't and you then... effing touch me ever again you know <laughs> so uh it was a uh, it was a shock i mean it totally threw me off guard um you led the way though
12: but then you re- but then you did dq me i did dq you absolutely which once i got that then i was like i was i wasn't i wasn't mad i was just like i can't believe that we're still doing this like yeah. you know in your mind's eye you're thinking why wasn't that a three count we gotta get going we gotta get out of here he's hurt and then i push you and then you're back in my face and then yeah. you rang the bell so i was like okay i'm cool right but then you really got mad at me after that i was really <laughs> mad at you and
3: i knew you were mad at me because chris I've, I've seen your acting and you're not that good <laughs>
12: <laughs> but then finally we got the dq you and i are arguing and then i was I, what i was thinking is if, if charles and i can argue They'll keep the camera on us. Right. And meanwhile, I'm arguing, okay, am I mad? Not really. I'm just trying to keep the ball on us. But what we were arguing about was real. It my was attitude very real. wasn't real. It was real, yes. And it was right. like F you, F you, what are you doing? He's hurt. I didn't know he was hurt. What's wrong with you? I should have been saying, Why didn't you count to three, you stupid ref? Like, you know, within the world of a work. Right. I was working my attitude, but I was my speech was real.
3: Yeah. And I was so scared after the match of you <laughs> i didn't even wait around for you i just went to the back i didn't even wait for you to come out of the ring or anything i just said i'm
12: after all these years and we've known each other since right. wcw 97 98 yeah. why were you scared so to speak well
3: you just don't want to disappoint the people that you work with especially those that you've known for so long Mm-mm. you know and that's it i thought i would disappointed you and and neville in the match and um but now, looking back at it, I think I called it the way that it was supposed to be. I just think I used inappropriate language at the end of the match. <laughs>
12: but, I mean, that's just heated discussion, and it's live right. TV. But the thing is, to me, I never once thought, Charles, that son of a bitch. I was thinking, thank thank goodness you, you DQ'd me. Right. But it's funny what you're thinking, because what's the right way to do things when something like that happens on the rare occasions when somebody actually gets hurt in the ring it's terrible exactly Exactly. because everything falls apart and you have to just go with it and try and think how can we make this better
3: right and they you know they try to train us to look for injuries and things like that but if we ask and we don't get an answer that's when it makes it very very difficult to -hmm. make that decision
12: Mm hmm and that's the position I was in which is funny because you and other referees have asked me before are you all right Mm -hmm. and Sometimes I'm just selling. I don't feel like answering. Exactly. And so how are you supposed to know? Uh, a, how do you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Did anybody say anything to you afterwards uh, backstage or uh, the office-wise or anything? No, they said, great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, though. Yeah. Like, think about what happened. We still got the DQ, which led to AJ running in. And besides the fact, take Neville out of the equation, the fact that our our friend is hurt, which is the worst thing. That's the worst thing. Take that away, and we actually were able to salvage something and keep the ball rolling to where... For example, my wife thought it was real. She thought, well, you're such a bad guy. You push the ref and get right. cute. And, you know, so the average person doesn't notice that stuff. Yeah. You and know. he's such a small ref, and you're picking on him. <laughs> <laughs> you're a bully.
0: <laughs> and finally, 2017, Austin Aries won a fatal five way elimination match, defeated Tozawa, Tony Nese, TJP, and Brian Kendrick. He earned the right to take on Neville at WrestleMania 33 for the Cruiserweight Championship. Still, for me, my second most favorite match on that event, and it's not even on the DVD. Go figure. Finally, it was this week, 2017, SmackDown Live, that AJ Styles attacked Shane McMahon in the parking lot, put him through the side window of a car, and WWE had all those ridiculously excessive camera angles. Remember that? Took place this week, 2017. Notable birthdays this week, those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us, Don Owen, Gino Garibaldi, Lance Russell, Quick Draw Rick McGraw, Ryu Nakata, Mike Bell, and Andrew Tess Martin. Happy birthday. God rest your souls. Also celebrating birthdays this week, Cowboy Bob Ellis turns 89, Angelo Mosca turns 81, Lars Anderson 79, The Iron Sheik 76. Dick Slater, 65, Mike McGurk, 63, Rick Martell turns 62, referee Jimmy Corderas turns 56, Brazo De Plata turns 55, Brian Clark and Henry Godwin, 54, Steve Armstrong, 53, Beulah McGillicuddy and Pierradita, Morgan, 49, Valvinas, 47, Kevin Northcutt, 45, Santino Morella, 44, Mike Quackenbush turns 42. Samoa Joe and Lollipop from TNA, 39. Takeshi Inouye and Chris Cage turn 38. Jason Rance, Matt Seidel, and Ethan Carter III turn 35. Jimmy Havoc turns 34. Matt Jackson, 37. Kenny Dykstra, 32. AJ Lee, 31. Brett DiBiase, age 30. And happy birthday, Jordan Devlin. He turns 28. Notable deaths this week. Corsica Joe died at the age of 90. Arnold Skolin, age 82. Tony Garibaldi, age 80. King Cobra passed away at age 70. Charlie Fulton, 68. Gary Hart, age 66. William Cobb, 62. Dennis Stamp, 60. Kenny Bolin, age 58. Kurt Von Hez, 56. Argentina Rocca died at the age of 55. Big Red passed away at 51. Angel Azteca died at 43. Koto Fuyuki at age 42. And last but not least, Andrew Tess Martin died this week in history at age 33. And with that, we are done with this week in wrestling history. I will be back one week from today, which will be exactly yours truly's birthday, March 27th. But I will be back with another episode as always. Yes, next week we'll focus on the closing of WCW, WrestleMania memories, and a lot of other things mixed in. It'll be a lot of fun. So definitely check it out. Follow me on Twitter, at Don Tony D. The website, DonTony.com. Email DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. And if you like what we do and you want to help support the shows, keep us in business, keep the lights on and the bills paid, check out our Patreon page. It is Patreon.com slash Don Tony. This week, you will get some Patreon-exclusive podcasts, including Breakfast Soup. Uh, featuring yours truly and Anthony missionary Thomas dark chronicles, which is hosted by Kev castle and his friend Trez. And we got a lot of other things going on as well. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash Don Tony, everyone enjoy the rest of the week. Be well, and I'll catch you all soon. Ciao. Hello, discover here to explain our cash
9: back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cashback match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time, we match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com match. Limitations apply. You know when you order a new video game or a golf club or a blender and then it arrives at your door, you get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at Home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at Home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers. Subject to applicable Aussie dealer for details.